Welcome to the Christian Business Concepts with your host, Harold Milby. Christian Business Concepts is dedicated to guiding companies and business owners in becoming effective, efficient, and successful through God's Word and godly principles. Now, here's your host, Harold Milby. I am so glad that you've joined me for today's podcast on Structuring for Increase and Growth. I'm praying and believing that this ministers to you and helps bring explosive growth to your business or your church or maybe the department that you work in or manage. You know, first, let's look at the purpose of organizational structure. First of all, it helps to create a clear understanding of the chain of command, and it clarifies relationships. Next, it it helps to establish roles and responsibilities. Who's supposed to do what? Who has what responsibilities? Who has what authority? It next uh, gives us clear channels of communication, and that also includes our reporting method. How are we reporting this data? How are we reporting, uh, you know, this information? If you're talking about customer service, it could be in the form of a uh, customer, uh, uh, you know, type of uh, Uh, recording device such as a spreadsheet where you record all the information of every contact. It could be a customer management system, a a CRM system. Uh, But, you know, it helps us to to understand what method we we need to do or or use uh, to gather this data. Uh, Next, it establishes levels of authority, and that's important. You want to make sure that the right people have the right authority to get the work done that you've required of them. And then next, it helps to establish checks and balances. So first, let's take some time and look at biblical examples of structure. Well, first, let's realize that God is a God of structure. That's important to know. All we have to do is look at his creation, and we see structure throughout. I mean, God structured the four seasons. We plant in one season, we harvest in another season. There's structure in the human body. When you look at how the human body is created, there's lots of structure within our systems and within our organs. You know, there's structure in our lives as children. Uh, When we put uh, structure in the lives of our children, it brings a sense of security. So even in our personal lives, there's structure. You know, when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, biblical scholars say there are around 5 million people. And at one point, Moses was approaching burnout. And he was trying to do everything himself. He was working ridiculous hours. He had the stress and the strain of all of the people coming to him saying, I need this, I need this, I need your help, I'm having an issue with this person or that person, or whatever it may have been. But everybody came to Moses. So his father-in-law was watching him, and he saw this going on. He spoke up. Thank God for good people that we have in our lives who are willing to speak up in order to help us. And after this discussion uh, that Moses had with his father-in-law, he developed a structure to help him lead. And and you can read that uh, in the Old Testament if you want to look that up. But, you know, basically uh, what he did was is he developed leaders of tens and leaders of fifties, leaders of hundreds, and he helped divide up the work. So he had this structure so that everything didn't come to him. The only things that came to him were the really important things. 
And he was the one that developed, okay, here's what's important, and here's what needs to go through these other leaders. And so, you know, he developed a structure. You know, now let me give you this wisdom seed. Structure helps a leader lead with more effectiveness. If you have structure in your business, if you have structure in your church or in your department, you're going to be a much more effective leader. Now, I first learned the concept of organizational structure when I pastored my first church. When my wife and I first arrived, there was a total of about 10 people left in that church. The facilities were wonderful. They would hold over 200 people. So I used to tell people all the time when I first started there, it was kind of like, you know, BBs rolling around in a boxcar. I mean, we had this great facility, hold 200 or so people, and we had 10 people in there. And as we began to grow, it seemed like that we would hit a ceiling and then we'd fall backwards. Now, maybe you're going through you know, some business struggles like that now. You, you tend to get up to a certain point, then you kind of drop back. And you get up and you drop back. And I finally learned for a church or a business to grow and maintain that growth, there had to be structure. You know, it wasn't, in, it wasn't popular in the beginning. I had a lot of people that would come and comment to me, why do we act like a church of 200 when we are less than 100 people? But the, but the issue is, is that if you wanted to get to 200, you had to structure yourself to be 200. It's the same way in business. If you want to reach a specific level, then you've got to begin to structure your business as if you were already at that level. It's really not building in, you know, it really, you know, we hear this all the time, you know, I think it was from the Field of Dreams where it says, build it and they will come. And I think there's some truth to that when we're talking about structure. So, again, Moses, he, he developed these leaders of tens and fifties and hundreds, and he really was developing one of the beginnings of a first business structure. Now, once in the wilderness, God gave him the design of the tabernacle and the duties and the responsibilities that went along with the tabernacle. The Levites were the tribe that had the many different responsibilities of the tabernacle itself. The Levites also had the priest and the high priests, even the way the 12 tribes were encamped around that tabernacle was a very specific structure. Without structure, honestly, it's really easy to just kind of sink into chaos. In business, without structure, our success is a complete happen chance. It's, it's, we're just taking a chance. We're rolling the dice to see if our business is going to be successful. Structure doesn't guarantee your success, but it does increase your chances of success by 100 times. Now, most people understand that Jesus had the 12 disciples, so he, he called the 12 disciples. But in Luke chapter 10 and verse 1, it says Jesus appointed another 70. So there was another 70 disciples that they had chosen. And in Luke chapter 10, it says that he sent them out in pairs. He sent them out in twos. There's another passage that comes back later in, in the same chapter that talks about, okay, you, you went out there, you did these things, and now he's getting data back. How did that go? Tell me, tell me how things went. And so, again, it's the beginning of a structure. Um, you could look at them as managers, I guess those 70. And then the 12 apostles were more of an executive team. But he even went further as Peter, James, and John uh, were, were possibly similar to our modern-day vice presidents. So again, there was structure there. 
There was structure there. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Again, this is a structure within the body of Christ. But the reason I bring this up scripturally is because I want you to see that God's a God of structure. He's a, he's a God that's organized. Uh, and so when we look at that, we go on to verse 12. It says, why do, why do we have, well, verse 11, it says what we have, uh, what we call commonly call the fivefold ministry. But in verse 12, it says, for what purpose? It says, for the perfecting of the saints, which that word perfecting means complete, entire, for the work of of the ministry, that word work means to move forward, and then for the edifying of the body of Christ, and that word edify means architecture, it also means structure, and wisdom, and and then it says for the edifying of, of, uh, of the church or the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, that word unity means agreement, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Right? So here he is. God is a God of order. Even when he created the planets, he created the sun, he created the stars and the heavens and the moon. And, you know, he is a God of order. Let's just kind of look at in nature, right? Let's look at ants. With ants, they in the colony of an ant, they have one or more egg-laying queens, and then they have workers, and then they have soldiers. Now, I saw this firsthand in a video. And so there was this line on the ground. There was this line of uh, they, they were soldiers, and they were lined up side by side. On the other side were termites. Not, not the same as ants. These were termites. And then on, on the, the front side of the soldiers, the, the soldier ants, were the workers. And they were working busy behind that line. And it was like the soldiers were there protecting the workers from the termites. And it was a pretty amazing video to see. And, you know, you look at that and you see the structure even in that insect. If you, you know, let's look at another insect. Look at the bees. You know, look at honeybees. So you have the queen, and then you have workers, and you have drones. It's a very similar structure as we see in ants. Now, what's amazing is is I've studied bees a little bit. I've talked to uh, you know to people who have hives and and uh, uh, you know really understand this whole process. And one of the things that he showed me, I had a guy that I talked to. He showed me was a video. It was in the summertime, and he zoomed in really close to the beehive. And there were all these drones, and they were sitting on the ledge of where the bees go in to provide all the material and everything that they're doing to, to, to build the nest, uh, to build the hive. And they were just sitting there, but they were, they were flapping their wings, if I can say that, uh, if, if, be, you know, if bees flap their wings. And they were just sitting there. They weren't flying off. They were just sitting there, but all of them right on the edge, there were thousands of them, and they were just batting their wings. And I asked him, I said, well, what are they doing? He said, it's hot, and this is their form of air conditioning. So those bees create a workflow that goes into the hive, and it cools down the bees. I'm telling you, that is not something that's happened, Chance. If you look at bees and ants alone, you got to know that there is a God that created the universe. 
So here they are. There's their structure even in this. You know, they create the colonies. They have communication. They have complex nest construction. They have environmental control, like I was just talking about. They have defense. And with the colony and its structures, or without, I should say, without the colony and its structure, the bees would not survive. They've got to have the structure. So what are some of the benefits of organizational structure? Well, first of all, it, it improves efficiency. It creates a specific culture. It gives you the ability to make faster decisions. It betters employee performance. It gives you better communication. It eliminates conflict between employees because you've got a structure there. It eliminates the duplication of work. Because, again, you have a structure, so there's certain people that do certain things. And it allows for expansion and additional locations. Now, let's talk just a little bit about the different styles of structure. Now, you can read a lot on this, but it really kind of boils down to these few uh, and some variations. So I'm going to try to keep it as simple as I can, but you need to understand the the, the upside and the downside of each of these structures uh, that you may need to look at for your church or for your business or even your department, uh, you know, that you manage. So the first one is the hierarchical, and it's just a development of hierarchy, uh, you know, within a organization. Now, the upside to that is that it typically has a lot of managers with high levels of knowledge. The managers also have authority and power, which allows them to make decisions pretty quickly. Now, the downside is, is you can have conflict with creating workflow processes and then the workflow itself due to the amount of power that's given to so many managers. Now, you know, we've experienced this, you know, even within, I hope I don't get in trouble, nobody in my company hears this, but, you know, we've had issues even with our, uh, within our company, and we call it staying in your own lane. It's like we have all this wonderful knowledge, you know, o o over 100 years worth of experience within the executive management team of our company. And because of that, we have difficulty sometimes with people in management that stay in their own lane of responsibilities. They want to kind of jump into somebody else's lane. So that can be a downside sometimes, you know, when we're talking about the hierarchy form of structure. Uh, the next form of structure is matrix. So in a matrix style of structure, you have multiple reporting relationships, in other words, there's more than one person that you may report to. But you take all these work assignments and they're all kind of pooled together. Now, the upside to that is, is it change, that changes can be made really quick. And also, every resource is available for use. So you have this, you know, this big group of people, uh, this, this matrix, and, and you can pull from each of these different arms and legs that extend out in this matrix, right? Now, the downside to that is you can have conflict due to multiple managers. So you've got multiple managers that employees are reporting to, and sometimes they kind of feel, feel like they're tugged in different directions, and that does happen. And so you have to work to, to make sure that doesn't happen. Also, it creates a financially top-heavy organization. You're going to have a lot more managers. You're going to be paying them at those levels, and you're going to have a lot of people on the payroll that's in management. 
And trust me, I've been involved with companies that were heavy on the management side. It can be a downfall. It can actually, you know, your financials are so out of balance because you've got so many of these people that are in in management positions that, you know, you just you, you can't survive. And uh, so that can be a downside for the matrix type of structure. Next, you have something called a flat structure. Now, this is really mostly where a lot of the small companies, and if you're a small, smaller company or maybe just a, a company you're just starting, uh, this is mostly how a, a small company starts. They have kind of a flat uh, structure. And uh, what that means is there's little to no middle management. So the upside to this is the company can be really agile. They can react quickly to market trends and changes. Uh, there's a very centralized decision-making process. Typically, there's an owner or maybe two that's maybe partners, and that's who makes the decisions. you got two people. You don't go to anybody else. You go to them. There's no middle management to go to. Those are the people in charge. So, you know, again, the upside to that is, is that you can be really agile and react quickly. It's a very centralized decision-making process, and there's little to no conflicts with the management team. Why? Because there's no middle management. Uh, now, the downside is, to that is, is that the leadership can easily become overwhelmed. So if you're one person working in your company and you say, Harold, i got to structure this, but I'm everything. I get it. I do. I get it. Every startup is like that uh, You know, normally when you begin. The, the, the biggest failure that a lot of startups have is they don't have enough capital to begin with. And without that provided capital, you don't have enough money to bring in the people that you need so that you don't get into a position to become overwhelmed. The other downside is, is it's limited to the strength of only a handful of people. So if it's you and a partner or whatever, the whole business is really kind of counting on your strength and abilities, right? And the other thing is, the other downside is decisions can often be made in a vacuum. You're not getting data from other people. You're not getting information from other people. It's your own opinion, your own design, you know, your own experience, and that's how you're making decisions. So you're making decisions based on, on a vacuum, being in a vacuum. So that can be a downside. All right, so what's the next structure? The other, next structure is project or team structure. It's very social in nature. It relies on... A lot of open communication. The upside is, is it promotes problem solving. Man, you get everybody together and they're all talking about how we're going to solve this problem, how we're going to deal with this, and you've got this great team, right? It's based on a project-by-project basis, and it's very laser-focused with a specific goal in mind. A lot of the Old Testament structures that we see were done as a project or team structure. It was on a project-by-project basis as you study God's Word. Now, the downside to that is egos can get in the way and slow down the work. So you got all these people, they're kind of jockeying for position sometimes, and so you have these egos that just get in the way. You know, the other thing is you have strong personal relationships that can occur causing some people to choose sides. So now you've got this whole political thing going on, which is what happens whenever you're in a situation uh, to where there's a, a big team. You know, so you have these political things that, that take place. All right? So let's move on. The next one is divisional. Uh, divisional structure is based on product or geography, right? So the upside to that is it's very, you have very specialized managers. So he specializes in this product or he specializes in this geography, 
the focus can be given to one product or geographical location. It's not given to the entire company. So you got one VP or one manager or one person that's focused on this one. You know, kind of like in churches, you have a, a you have the senior pastor, but then you have a children's pastor, and and then you have a youth pastor. Uh, you may have a senior pastor uh, or seniors pastor. So you have these different you know these different leaders that are very specific in what they are doing. That is kind of a divisional uh, type of structure. Now, the downside is that it, to that is divisions can become renegades. So they can be the ones that think, you know, uh, they're better than everybody else and they're the most important. Uh, this happened uh, with Apple Computer. If you'll remember, uh, Steve Jobs created a computer called Lisa. You remember that? I think it was named after his daughter. Well, they had a big conflict within the company because the people who worked on Lisa and that was part of that department kind of became renegades. They thought they were more important. They were the best. They were the future. And so there, there, there were really some issues there, and that's one of the reasons you never hear anything about Lisa, right? So then the next type of structure is called a line, a line structure. It's, a, it, it's more of a self-contained department. Uh, a department head has control. Now, the upside of that is, is it's simple to understand. It's very flexible. It allows for faster decision-making, and the employees have one clear supervisor. There's no confusion. Now, the downside to that is, is that employees are dependent upon one person for knowledge and information. The larger the company grows, the less effective and productive the company can become, right? It, it is team-based, uh, that, or I don't want to say team-based, but uh, it, it is, you know, just a very straightforward uh, type of structure, okay? So those are the type structures, and they're, and they're upside, they're downside. But how do you choose your organizational structure? How are you going to choose what structure you're going to use? Well, first of all, the style of structure you desire should reflect the culture you desire in your company. So don't, you know, don't choose a structure that is contrary to the culture that you want to create. Next, you got to understand the different structures. Make sure you understand them. Do more study on it. Dig it up. I can only give you so much in 30 minutes, right? So, so take the time. Do some research. Uh, the structure you choose should reflect your company's strategy. If your structure is, is butting heads with your company's strategies, you're going to have a problem all day long, every day. So you got to consider the age of your employees, consider the age of your company, consider the size of your company, you know, what, what kind of income do you have, what kind of income does your company bring in, the current business environment, that's important. Uh, you also need to consider how flexible and agile your company needs to be in the current marketplace before you choose a structure. And then you need to create a, a diagrammed document with this structure that you choose and how it looks in order to review it. You just get it on paper so you can look at it. You know, an organizational chart will help you to find your chain of command and your limits of control. You know, you can kind of see it on paper. It just kind of jumps out at you when you kind of put this down. And there's all kinds of apps and, and free software out there that will help you uh, put together an organizational chart like that. Now, keep in mind, you are structuring for growth in customers, growth in income, and growth in productivity, right? You know, I, I, I think back, and, and I'm not a, a huge hockey fan, but I like hockey. But one of the things I do know is that a hockey coach, a lot of times, will tell his players, look, 
skate to where the puck is going to be, not where it is. And your structure is that way. It's good advice. Because when you structure your church or your business, you know, you're trying to structure for where you want to be, not where you are. And that's crucial when you begin to look at structuring your company. Because you can have very powerful growth if you've got the right structure in your company. You know, structure for where you want to be and not where you are. Keep in mind your organizational structure can and should be changed over time as your business or your church or your department grows. I mean, that's the whole goal, right? So you're going to grow. So as you continue to grow, you got to kind of look back at your structure and say, is this still the most effective and efficient structure for our company? That changes. It does change from time to time. And uh, so, you know, today I just I just want you to understand the power that comes from having the right structure in your church or business. So, you know, let me just pray with you real quick uh, for the end of the broadcast here. Uh, Lord, I thank you that you give the people who are listening to this podcast the wisdom and the understanding to choose the right structure for their company, their department, or their church, Lord, that will help them to succeed in the purpose that you've called them to in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's podcast, and be sure to follow the Christian Business Podcasts. And remember, Jesus is Lord, and He cares about your success. Thank you for tuning into this week's Christian Business Concepts podcast. Go to ChristianBusinessConcepts.com for more information and resources. Be sure to check out other podcasts that will help you take your business and your personal life to a whole new level of success.